Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. John chapter number 17 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, we're going to look at verses 20 through 26. Now, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he began to do what he now does for all of eternity. Um, A few hours before his arrest, Jesus began to intercede for his disciples. In John chapter number 17, it is a, a prayer of Jesus, and it's broken into three different sections. Verses one through five, Jesus prays for himself. In verses six through 19, he prays then for the 11 disciples that are gathered around him. And then in the last few verses, verses 20 through 26, what we're going to be dealing with today, he then prays for his future church. So I want us to read that this morning, John chapter number 17, and beginning in verse number 20. The Bible says, Neither pray I for these alone, speaking of the disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, speaking of the future church, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I want to preach on the subject this morning, Jesus' desire for his church. Jesus' desire for his church. You know, today, this is not... Tyler Bro's church. Amen? This is not the deacons of Fellowship Baptist, their church. This is the church of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we look at this today, I want us to see Jesus' desire for his church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We're thankful for your precious word. We're thankful today that we can be a part of the church the body of Christ, the family of God, because of what you have done for us on the cross. Father, we thank you that we can come together and assemble together as the local body of the local church. God, that you, do, you have a certain desire for this place. And we find here in this passage of scripture that that main, that common denominator, that theme that you spoke of in your last prayer before you went to the cross, you spoke of unity. Lord, and your desire for your church is to be unified. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the desire of the Lord for his church and that we would take that same desire that you have for the church. 
Father, I pray that you would use me this morning. I need you. I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. I ask you that you would give me the words to say that your people here at Fellowship Baptist Church need to hear. And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You see, beyond Jesus's death, Jesus desired a dynamic, growing, unified church that would last. When Jesus looked at the face of Peter within that circle of 11, he saw beyond Peter. He saw the whole of Pentecost and thousands more behind them. When he looked at the face of John, he saw the church of Ephesus and all the churches of Asia Minor. And when he saw the gap where Judas Iscariot had been, I'm sure he, he thought of the face of Paul and all of the churches of Europe. And crossing generations and oceans right down to this very day, he said, I pray for every one of them who shall believe on me to be one in us. He has a desire, the same desire that he had for his 11 disciples is the same desire that he has for us, the church. Jesus prayed with a theme in mind. He prayed for believers to be one, that we would be one in him and the Father, so that the unity of Christians would make such an impact that the world would believe on Jesus Christ. One in us means to be united closely. It is a close personal walk with Jesus. He desired that we would be together with them. And I believe the Lord has laid this message on my heart because we have some things that we're going to be voting on here in the next month in September. The end of September, we have three documents that we're going to be voting on. That is the church constitution, the statement of faith, and the church covenant. And I believe these are all three things that can be helpful for the unity of the church. But we must be unified around it. And so this morning, I want us to talk about Jesus's desire for his church. Because this is, like I said before, this is not your church. This is not my church. This is his church. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, I want us to see what happens when we are together with Christ. Jesus prayed in this prayer for you and for me. In that prayer, over 2,000 years ago, he prayed for you and for me. He prayed for the church on that night. I want us to see, first of all, he, his desire is for us to, number one, to be unified. Look at verse number 20. He says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you. That's me. That's the church. That they all may be what, church? That they may all be one. To be unified. Listen, what could, could have Christ have asked for in the final moments before his arrest? He might have prayed for his own strength. That, that the 11, he could have prayed that the 11 would, have, would support him and not desert him in his teachings. Because we know that they, they did desert him for some time. They, they, Peter rejected him. But instead, his prayer was dominated by a single great thought. And that was the unity of the believers. Now, if, 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 if that was important to Jesus as his last prayer before he went to the cross, I think it should be important to us. Amen? The unity of the church. To be unified. Notice, first of all, in, the, in verse number 11, that Jesus prayed for the unity of that original disciple group. Now, this was not an easy task at all. 
for the, for the original 11 to be unified. And Jesus knew it. In that original group, there were incredible tensions going on. You think about a little time before, there were tensions created by James and John when they said, hey, Jesus, when we get to heaven, I want to sit on your right hand and John can sit on your left hand, right? And it made everyone else super jealous. They were all jealous and they were fighting over it. They were jealous of this this, uh, question that they had asked. Earlier on in this same evening of this passage of scripture, the disciples were fuming with rage because there had been an argument among them of who was the greatest. Remember that? Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. And they began to argue. And so Jesus knew that this was a great task. No wonder Jesus prayed for that original 11, that Lord make them to be one. He had that desire for them to be united, but that wasn't all. He moved beyond the 11 and he prayed for the believers in the future. And in verse number 21, what he prayed, what he prayed for them, he then prayed for all believers. Galatians chapter number three, verse number 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? One. That word one is opposed to a division into parts and in ethical matters to dissensions. When we are together with Christ, meaning our focus is on Jesus and the gospel, we will have unity. When our focus is on Jesus and the gospel, we will have unity. I'm a big college football fan. All college football fans say, Wow, we got more amens on that than, than following Jesus. No, I'm a big college football fan. And, and one of the things that, that I see here, there's multiple college football fans. Now, I'm a fan of God's football team. That's Ohio State Buckeyes, all right? That's God's football team. But there's, a, there's an individual here that likes my, our greatest rival, the Michigan Wolverines, Right? And, and brother, see, me and brother Doug, brother Doug's not here with us. He's on vacation, be, pray, be in prayer for them. But me and brother Doug, we cannot have unity when it comes to our college football teams. Amen? We just can't be unified over it. I have a brother over here wearing an Auburn shirt. We can't unite over that. But we can unite over the fact that we love Jesus Christ. Amen? That he died for us and that we are one in him. And if we stay focused on the gospel and we stay focused on Jesus Christ, we will have a oneness. We're not going to agree with everything, but we can be one in Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that the church could never make the impact on the world that he wished it to make unless spiritually the world saw in his church a oneness, a unity. You see, the churches of our world have never truly taken these words of Jesus and this prayer of Jesus with the seriousness that it deserves. We should take unity serious in the church. Amen? We should take unity serious within the church. Christians are drawn to one another because they are drawn to a common center, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus prayed that they would be in us, for he is the source of the power of that unity. Jesus' desire for his church, number one, is to have unity or to be unified. But number two, to have an impact. His desire for his church is to have an impact. Look at verse number 21. He says that they all may be one 
as thou father art in me and I in thee. Why? That they also may be one in us. Sorry, here it is. Why? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You see, the unity of the church, there is a reason for the unity of the church. It is so that we have an impact on the lost world. The impact of a unified church that is moving together with Christ is that the world believes that God the Father sent Christ the Son. The Bible says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You see, the visible unity of believers will make an impact on the lost. The sight of a united disciples will convince the world of the truth of Jesus's message and of his mission. John 13, 35 says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. By what? Will all the world know that you are my disciples, that ye have one love one toward another. We live in a world of disunity, don't we? We live in a world of disunity. We find disunity everywhere from our homes, from our families, our workplaces, in our government. We could go on and on and on. People are searching for unity. Listen, let me say this. Human eloquence will not compel the world to believe. The size of our churches will not compel the world to believe. No denominational program or slogan or goal will compel the world to believe. But a supernatural oneness with Christ in the family of God, where Jesus is first and where people matter and where we serve others and we we are mission focused, that will compel the world to believe. It's a oneness that they may believe that he was sent from the Father. See, the world is so disunited that a unified church compels the world. The world to confess that God is real, that he is at work among us. What an opportunity that we have today to show others how Jesus can unify. What an opportunity to have an impact on the lost in our community. But there's a great danger here. We can reverse all that is to be accomplished by this oneness, right? If we don't have a oneness, we don't have an impact. We can reverse the impact. We can reverse that, 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 that Jesus desires. Only the power of Jesus Christ can impact our world in this way. The question is, is when do we take unity seriously? in our own congregation. The question is, is when, do we, when should we act on unity? Here's the answer. Unity is always God's now. Unity is always God's now. This isn't a, unity is not a secondary issue within the church. It is a primary issue. It's the last thing that Jesus prayed about before his arrest. So it means that I must act now to see that the church is one. Are you doing your part to see that the church is one? That's a convicting question. Are you doing your part to see that the church is one? Why? So that we can have an impact. That's the whole reason. So that they, the lost world, might know Jesus Christ. In the church, we must act as a unifying personality, seeking common ground, seeking to be a unifier. 
The truth about any church is that there may be dozens of opinions at any one time about the dozens of things that the church is trying to do. Amen? But every believer must make a decision to be a unifier in the midst of God's people. Because if we don't, we give Satan an opportunity to bring division amongst us. We must all be continually working toward unity. All of us. That's why I believe it's very important for us to have these three documents that we've talked about to unify around. These three things that I'm telling you, I'm excited about it because these three things we can unify around. And and the unity that we have around those things as as a church and around our core values, you know what that's going to do? It's going to help us to make an impact in our community. Jesus desired for us to be unified. Why? So that we might have an impact. Let me just say this. The reason why we handed those out, we are voting on those at the end of September. We want you to read those. We want you to study those with the scripture. We want you to come to us with questions or maybe concerns. Why do we want you to do that? So that we can be unified when we come to vote on it. Amen? So do your part. Read those documents, study those documents and and allow God to speak to you. Bring questions, bring concerns so that we can take care of those things so that we, at the end of it, we can all be unified around those things. Because Jesus desires that we be one so that we can make an impact on the lost. But then lastly, Jesus' desire for his church is to bring glory to his name. To bring glory to his name. Look at verse number 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prays that the present church on earth and the future church in heaven will see his glory. Glory in this, 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 this uh, passage of scripture is the visible manifestation of divine attributes. It is what we see when we look at God. You see, Christ has already revealed all the glory that we can comprehend on earth. Amen? Christ has already revealed that. In verse number 22, Jesus says, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. He's given us that glory. We see in the divine uh, manhood of Jesus Christ, all the glory that our eyes are capable of seeing below. Verse number 22 continues saying that the purpose of showing us his glory was that they may be one. Even now, listen, church, when we get our eyes off of one another and when we get our eyes off of of ourselves and we contemplate the revealed glory of God in Christ Jesus, we become one. His glory unites us. His glory brings us together. His glory transforms us. Brothers and sisters, when we are 
united. The world will stand up and take notice of God because they will see him glorified in us. What does the word of God say? It says in in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? And glorify your father, which is in heaven. You see, let's listen to this. Oneness gives credence to our claims. Amen? Oneness gives credence to our claims. Specifically, according to John 17, verse 23, the world will know two things. God's, when we're, when we're united, they'll know God's mission, that he sent his son to be the savior of the world. Amen? In order to help others believe the father sent the son, we need to demonstrate spiritual oneness. But also they'll see God's message that God loves Christ's followers as much as he loves Jesus. People will be attracted to the love of God when they see it manifested in our lives and in our church. This means when I violate true Christian unity, I'm hindering the gospel. When I violate true Christian unity, I hinder the gospel message. I hinder the gospel mission. His mission and his message get lost when we are fighting amongst each other. We must strive for unity. Why? Because unity brings God glory. It brings God glory. But then Christ will fully reveal all his glory in heaven. Amen. He says here, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. But there's more to come. We will be perfectly one when we perfectly see his glory. Verse number 24 states that they may, be, may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Listen, we will spend, listen, church, we will spend an eternity and unite and unity meditating on the love of God. We will spend all of eternity in unity meditating on the love of God. So why not start now? Why not be unified now? Our churches will never be fully united by looking at the pastor. Amen? You won't hurt my feelings if you say amen, because it's true. Our unity is not going to be found. We will not be fully united by looking to our programs. We will not fully be united by looking at one another. We must look to Jesus Christ. Because together with him, when he is our focus, we will be drawn to one another. And if we come to learn learn of Jesus, and we come to lean on Jesus, and we come to love Jesus, when we come for the same reasons, we will become one. And ultimately, because of our oneness, he will be glorified. Church, Jesus desired for his church to be united. And that should be your desire as well. But the question is, is are you doing your part to see that Fellowship Baptist Church is united? Jesus desired that his church would be united. Why? So that we might have an impact on this lost world so that people would see Christ in us. And that we 
have an impact and that when we have an impact, here's the, here's the wonderful thing. Here's the ultimate thing. He will be glorified. Not us, but he will. And that's what we desire here at Fellowship Baptist Church. To be unified together so that we can have an impact and so that God will be glorified. Do your part, Fellowship Baptist Church. Do your part to make sure that we have a oneness here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.